This is the Oanda Podcast. Oil prices have soared to the highest level since 2008 over supply fears triggered by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. While the United States is said to be discussing a potential embargo in Russian supplies with its allies, and stock markets across Asia have also fallen heavily. This is the Oanda Market Insights podcast talking to Oanda senior market analyst across the world. And today we're joined by Jeff Halley, senior market analyst for Asia Pacific. Good morning from London, Jeff. How are you doing? Yeah, great to be here. And good morning from Asia. Dramatic rise once again in the price of oil. Brent crude at one point spiked to above $139 a barrel. It's eased a bit since then, but uh, these are near almost historic highs for oil and uh, stock markets are reflecting that where you are. Yes, absolutely. There's a few things that occurred over the weekend. As you said, the potential uh, total embargo of uh, Russian uh, oil and energy supplies by the, the, the US uh, tightening an already tight, tight market. But also Russia has injected uh, some very late demands on the US regarding sanctions payments in the latest uh, um, Iran nuclear deal, which was apparently 98% there and may have been even announced this week. That's thrown that process into turmoil as well. Even the Iranians have expressed uh, their distaste about the tactics of Russia today uh, regarding that, which I think is quite significant geopolitically. Uh, but that means that uh, the chances of uh, that extra one and a half million barrels a day of Iranian crude back onto official markets is also fading as well. Uh, taken in totality, uh, we saw oil prices gap over 10% higher in early Asia, as you said, nibbling near to 140. Uh, but we're still up 9% on the day with WTI and Brent crude. Asia itself is mostly a gigantic Im uh, importer of its energy needs. And unsurprisingly, uh, that has seen uh, Asian stock markets uh, fall heavily across the region, it, with the only ones showing any resilience being the commodity producing countries, such as Indonesia, Malaysia, Australia and New Zealand. Even though their stock markets are slightly lower, uh, then their fallout there has not been nearly as bad as it has been in other parts of Asia. And in fact, the Australian and New Zealand dollars have actually also rallied today. Going back to oil talks with Iran, if a deal was signed, how would that affect the price? It would only be a temporary panacea or band-aid, I would say, because uh, I believe now we have to remember that Iran, Iran's uh, oil exports are a state secret, but apparently it's about two and a half million barrels a day, mostly to countries such as China. Uh, the belief is, is that Iran has the ability to add another one and a half million barrels of oil per day back onto official international markets uh, if this deal is uh, signed in the next week or so. That would give some temporary relief to markets, but we have to remember that Russia exports something like five and a half million barrels of petroleum, sorry, of, of oil per day. And if there's a complete uh, embargo on Russian uh, oil supplies uh, from um, by, by the US and perhaps the you know, uh, European Union, it's not going to make up that hole in the production supply uh, demand equation. And there are some analysts and economists out there, Jeff, who say that cutting off most of Russia's energy exports would be such a shock to global markets that 
we're at $130 a barrel at the moment, but they're suggesting that oil prices could hit $200 a barrel. I mean, can the globe take those kinds of numbers? It's going to cause so many problems and speed up a recession, possibly. Well, I think uh, some recessions are inevitable in some parts of the world because of the stagflationary shock. But I've seen that myself today, and all of a sudden people are saying $200 a barrel when everybody was saying in December that there was no way that uh, Vladimir Putin would send his forces across the Ukrainian border. So I don't think their track record's particularly good at the moment anyway. I, I don't think we'd see $200 a barrel, and part of the reason for that, I believe, is that Saudi Arabia will be forced to increase production dramatically. And also you're going to see some realism hit the ranks of politicians uh, in the United States, particularly those on the side that are almost uh, certainly going to be under pressure at the midterms in November. And we're going to see uh, US shale be freed up and that production increase dramatically. And perhaps they may even go looking for oil again in Alaska as well which in turn would bring the uh, the oil price down if they do release those shale fields. Of course, it's not just oil, it's not just gas, which has been hit by the situation. Commodity prices in general are having uh, huge rises at the moment. Aluminium, nickel, zinc, copper, and uh, let's not forget wheat. Those wheat futures have surged, haven't they? And this is the sort of thing that really affects ordinary people, ordinary families uh, right across the world. And that will hit inflation even higher. We've got some inflation figures coming out from the United States later in the week, of course. But uh, it's, it's even more worrying when you look at the commodities that this is affecting right across the board. Yeah, look, uh, the price of oils uh, rising would have inevitably impacted those commodity prices anyway. But we have to remember two things here. Russia is a huge producer and exporter of industrial metals, uh, including things such as palladium and all those metals that you mentioned, with the exception perhaps of copper. Uh, but also that the Ukraine itself is one of the largest exporters of grains in the world, particularly wheat. And uh, for example, Indonesia down this part of the world has 40% of its uh, wheat exports uh, from the Ukraine. So these, it's not just Russia, it's the Ukraine as well. The Ukraine matters in the global supply chain very much. None of those uh, exports are coming to the markets anytime soon. Inevitably, even as the global recovery picked up pace, lifting demand across the board for all of these things, this has dealt yet another supply shock. And I think we've got some tough times ahead in that respect. Yeah, and you mentioned Ukraine as well as as Russia. And um, I mean, uh, so, some of this information I didn't really know about until a few days ago. But uh, they they make a lot of uh, neon gas, or they get a lot of neon gas, don't they, out of the ground in Ukraine? And that's part of the uh, the process in in making uh, computer chips, I believe, and that could have a real effect on the production of cars, computers, and so on. Exactly. So as I've uh, been writing in my notes, there is a stagflationary wave, I believe, coming. That's where prices go up, but growth goes down. Inevitably, I believe now there will be some sort of recession in parts of the world uh, to help adjust this process, which means demand needs to fall. Uh, but there's no easy way out of stagflation. Uh, there's always It's only a painful way to, to, to exit it. So uh, in this respect, I think... Um, the outlook for equity markets in particular looks very, very grim at the moment. 
Okay, I mentioned um, some of the data that's coming out later in the week. We've got the uh, inflation numbers from the United States. Uh, what, what are you looking at specifically over the next few days? Yeah, on the data front, uh, uh, we've got Chinese in inflation as well. They had very good trade data today, uh, but they set one of their lowest targets for GDP growth uh, in, in literally decades over the weekend at 5.5%. So I, I think even that number for China is going to be challenging this year in this environment if it persists, and I believe it will. Uh, and as you said, US inflation. Uh, again, we've got an FOMC meeting next week where they will hike rates. That comes after a huge non-fund payrolls figure on Friday night, so the economy is going great guns there. Inflation may top 8% in the US this week as well. So interest rate hikes were on the way anyway. Uh, that will just be more fuel to what is a very ugly fire at the moment. Although, is it possible that the events that we're seeing at the moment in Europe will affect the number of interest rate rises we'll see over the next year. I, I know that those non-farm payroll figures are very good. I know that they're trying to stem inflation, but you've mentioned stagflation. Um, and if the Fed raises those rates too highly, then we'll get a, a deeper recession, surely. Well, there's recessions and there's recessions, and at least we're starting from the positive side of the ledger. I mean, US growth could still fall quite some way lower, and it would still be expansionary. I, I think this will be very uh, will, will, will show itself very differently in different parts of the world. I, I believe the Fed will stay on course. Countries such as New Zealand and Britain will stay on course, as will Canada. But I believe that the European uh, Central Bank may put its thoughts of any hikes on hold. And I can't blame them. They're right on the front lines of this Ukraine-Russia conflict. And they're obviously going to wear a lot of the pain involved in it. For the rest of Asia, they've already shown a tolerance for uh, rising prices and falling growth already. And I think that it will nip in the bud uh, any thoughts of hiking across much of Asia. How will that manifest itself? I believe we'll see weaker Asian currencies and we're going to see, obviously, equities uh, having a very challenging environment. Yeah, we live in dramatic times. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us this morning. We'll speak to you again soon. A pleasure. Have a good day. This is the Oanda Podcast.